Welcome to another edition of Rebellion Research's educational series. We're very lucky to have Dr. Igor Halpern, a friend of mine and a brilliant physicist who has actually been one of the champions of reinforcement learning on Wall Street. In fact, he was the first person I heard discuss reinforcement learning at any industry tech conference. And that's how we actually got friendly. We, we were at a conference. I was in my own world. I heard a fantastic presentation. And lo and behold, it was Dr. Halpern. Dr. Halpern teaches at NYU. And he's a revered machine learning maestro. Thank you so much for coming on today, Igor. Thank you very much, Alex. Uh, so the first question is, I, I've, got, I've got to jump right into it with reinforcement learning. Yes. Do, you, do you think it's overhyped? Uh, no, I think it's underhyped uh, severely uh, in the sense that, you know, it's a very popular topic. And thank you, by the way, for uh, telling uh, that uh, I was the first person to talk about reinforcement learning in finance. It's not quite the case, obviously, right? So there were other people before no, me. Others have as well. Yes. Yeah, like reinforcement learning. Yes. I, uh, I decided to make it a focus of my both research and teaching just because I believed that uh, from the start that, you know, that's the way forward, right? This is how we should state, rephrase the whole approach, actually, the whole paradigm of quantitative finance. We should replace the order of things that we do, right? So in quantitative finance, the focus is on, uh, uh, you know, prediction, right? So we first try to predict signals and then use those signals to, uh, you know, in, in trading strategies, right? But that's not the way which is optimal from the point of view of reinforcement learning. You know, I'll tell you, Rebellion Research's experience with reinforcement learning versus deep learning was that deep learning was fantastic for, you know, specific, you know, recall over a very large data set but it doesn't pivot very well. And in fact, we ran into trouble uh, in 2011 using deep learning. We found that it did not react quick enough and we switched. Uh, thank God my partner, Jeremy Newton, who was very intrigued by reinforcement learning. Uh, we switched in 2011 to a reinforcement learning which uh, could pivot much quicker than our deep learning, which was really just much slower and still does well and we still track the deep learning, but Reinforcement learning is quicker, but what about the obstacles for reinforcement learning? Where do you see reinforcement learning running into trouble? Uh, what should I say? Uh, should I say there are no obstacles or should I say, uh, well, all right. Uh, there are some obstacles, but they are pretty far away uh, in a sense, right? So we, it's not that something that we have to worry about at the moment, right? But I can tell you what the obstacles are, right? So the, the main, uh, the, 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 the essence of reinforcement learning approach is, is that you assume that at the agent has some sort of utility function that the agent has to maximize, mm -hmm. all right? Uh, this is already pretty, you know, a stringent assumption because like for many agents, uh, uh, this simply does not apply. So there are no fully rational agents at all, right? But there are ways to cope with that, right? So you, there are ways we describe them in our book, how you can actually, uh, you know, adjust uh, 
you know, this concept of purely rational, purely rational agent of the classical financial theory into a bounded rational agent. So there are technical ways to do this. Um, however, uh, if you ask uh, what the limitations are, well, that's basically, uh, this is also a sort of a limitation because you, you kind of try to condense everything into like just one, uh, uh, function that you are optimized, utility function. Can you, for example, explain the meaning of your life as a maximization of a certain function? You can't, right? No one can, right? Because our life is multi-objective, right? So the same, the same here. There are some limitations in the in the way we phrase. But can reinforcement learning, you know? tackle larger situations that you know you typically turn to a fractal for for instance uh, you know beach erosion or do you feel reinforcement learning still needs to be more spoon fed and very specifically applied uh so yeah i am not familiar with the first uh, what did you mention what? Uh, uh, mandelbrot's fact you know fractal um oh. which is uh you know uh yeah i'm familiar with that yes yeah okay yeah. So, you know, and, you know, you'd use that, you know, to analyze, you know, a snowflake, for instance, or beach erosion uh, around uh, Australia, for instance. Right. Uh, you know, reinforcement learning at Rebellion, you know, we've used it very specifically for uh, economic outperformance of peers. And so mm. it's, it's a, you know, it's a very specific case where our reinforcement learning looks at the U.S. dollar, looks at the yen, looks at the euro and so there aren't a ton of choices for it you know do you think you know larger data sets will give reinforcement learning trouble outside of finance i guess my first question to you is outside of finance where do you see reinforcement learning first gaining traction oh outside of finance well actually you know people usually ask like what it brings to finance because Definitely outside of finance, it's much more developed and, and uh, accepted, right, as a tool, right? So the most of progress in the enforcement learning comes essentially to finance from essentially two fields, robotics and video games, right? Really? So there are huge teams, obviously, that, that work on both uh, robotics and video games at firms as, such as OpenAI or Google or, or Facebook, right? So, so, so definitely, uh, you know, what, like most of what I do is essentially some sort of an adaptation, but it's a critical adaptation. You can just take whatever they have. That's how I initially thought. I said, oh, deploying, let's use it. Doesn't work. No. Uh, all right. Oh, reinforcement learning, how do we use? Ah, this actually, this doesn't work because it, you know, it takes like, uh, way too low dimensional space. Oh, this doesn't work because it applies, uh, you know, issues deterministic policy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Until you zoom on into something that actually can work, right? Has a chance to work, right? This is like, this is how you apply it. This is how you adapt it. No, I guess, you know, my view skewed because we've been using reinforcement learning at Rebellion for a decade. And so for me, it seems like such an old hat in finance. And so I'm, I'm getting excited about seeing reinforcement learning in other uh, fields, but you know, I guess you know, robotics is uh, the obvious one. So I, I know you got your doctorate at Tel Aviv University, where actually my, my own father-in-law uh, you know, went uh, as well. 
So mm. I, I, I love the school. You know, how do you, a great school. How do you find Tel Aviv University versus uh, American universities? Wow, that's a great question because I never studied at American universities. Uh, I, I only taught at American universities. Uh, so, and actually at Tel Aviv University, I also I arrived only uh, for my PhD. So it was a little different. I, I didn't do bachelor. St. Petersburg master. before that. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I started my, I did my uh, master in St. Petersburg and then I even started my PhD there. But then it was the time of collapse of the Soviet Union. And I decided that I better leave, the sooner the better. Yeah. So I, I, I just, you know, I was lucky enough that, uh, you know, I managed somehow like my supervisor in St. Petersburg had a co-author who was a professor at Tel Aviv University. Uh-huh. And when I told him, you know, I, I'm going to, to leave Soviet Union, I'm, I'm going to Israel. He said, really? Oh, you know what? I have a friend there. So just go to him, continue a PhD. And I was, wow, that's great. And uh, yeah. Now, both sides of my uh, family, both my mother and father's side actually had to leave uh, Russia at varying times, uh, much earlier than the 80s, 90s, but uh, you know, we're from Ukraine, Lithuania. Uh, you know, I love that area. So get, you know, reverting back to reinforcement learning, do you see reinforcement learning making its way into fixed income? Definitely, yes. Yeah, definitely, yes, because it's a, it's a general approach. I, I see no reason why, right, in fixed income. So what I think is the best, let me, let me explain what, what I think is the best thing about reinforcement learning. In reinforcement learning, uh, you take the perspective of what you have to do in a proper order, right? So what you have to do, you have to make a bucket, right? So which means that you have to trade, right? That's your prime goal, right? Whatever else you do is a secondary goal. So in particular, prediction of the future is a secondary goal, right? It's subordinated to the first one. Right? So, yeah, so in fixed income, so it applies to equities, it applies to fixed income, it applies to any asset classes. So, when, so when using RL to power a portfolio for all of the aspiring quantitative portfolio managers out there, would you find that RL works better on more or fewer features? Hmm. Uh, well, that's a, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure I can answer that because, uh, you know, what we... And if I, have, I have very specific focus. I, I'm focused on you know, long-term asset management. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm not looking into intraday trading or daily trading. Uh, nevertheless, the approach that we developed and presented in the book is general. Uh, the only thing that you have to replace is a set of predictors. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you like how how well it, it, it works in different settings. Obviously, as a general, the, you know, the less uh, features you have without sacrifice of you know, accuracy, the better, right? You know, I, I'll be honest, I am biased as it's powered my company for 10 years, but you know, I've also been doing a number of uh, long-term research projects using it. And recently where I've run into trouble is trying to make agricultural predictions using reinforcement learning. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe I've gone too horizontal and I need to get more vertical and that, you know, when making the predictions for the agriculture in terms of, should I be looking at sugar versus wheat 
or should I be looking at sugar and the inputs of sugar? And is it possible to even attain the inputs of sugar? Do you see what I'm saying? Or so your question is like how you uh, represent the 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 state of the system? Yes, okay. exactly. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard to say anything on general ground, but you know, on on very you know general uh, as a general very general note, what I can say is that. There are so many ways to go wrong, right? So you, you can't believe it, right? So you start even the simplest reinforcement learning problem, right? How long it takes you, like discrete setting, like very low dimensional state, few actions, et cetera, et cetera. How long it takes you to make it work? It never works from the start, right? Mm -hmm. So you have bugs, you have you know, fine tuning, you have uh, tons of different things, right? Uh, uh, so, so then what it means is that even in simplest cases, uh, it, 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 it's not, you know, always something that works out of the box, right? So what, what, what it tells me is that, you know, whenever you take uh, out of box reinforcement learning framework, for example, for example, deep reinforcement learning, mm -hmm. uh, and, and try to apply it, the chances are that you know, it either will not work or it will kind of work, kind of not, and you will never understand when it works and when it doesn't. I, I spoke with many people, actually, who applied deep reinforcement learning for trading, for yeah. commodities, for example. And this is what they told me. They said, hmm, yeah, well, I don't know. Like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I make a buck, sometimes I lose. I have no idea what it does behind the scene, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, so often the best managers will either have underperformance periods or periods where there are no trades. One of the best managers we ever built a rebellion, we couldn't ever launch to clients because there were two year periods where it didn't want to trade. Mm. How do you offer that to a client? But when it did want to trade, it did very well, but it was so risk averse that it you know, would sit on hundred percent cash for you know, 24 months, which you know, sadly you can't offer to clients. So, God, we're, we're already nearing the close of our uh, show today. And this has been a fantastic session. So you're just completely negative on deep learning. Do you feel that deep learning has value anywhere or do you think students should skip on it? I'm not negative on deep learning. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, I, I, I made few, some statements uh, okay. about deep learning, but uh, I, like for the record, I want to say I'm not negative on deep learning. Deep learning is very valuable, right? What uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, proposing is, uh, you know, going there in steps, right? Not jumping all the way there. And that's exactly the line that we try to pursue with our book, right? Move it in incremental uh, steps so that you understand each step, right? Meaning that, uh, you know, if you deal with deep learning, try to see like the limiting cases when it reduces to linear systems, something that you understand. Igor, I'll be honest. I've been tough on deep learning. Maybe because IBM was a little dishonest when they rolled it out with Watson. You know, Watson had the answers fed to it. So when it played Ken Jennings and the other player, it was essentially cheating. And then, you know, Watson has never actually made a dollar of savings for any of the hospitals. It's been you know, uh, terrible. At the same time, IBM's going in great places now, and I have a million friends at IBM, and I love IBM, 
but you know Watson itself you know I question its you know usability that it had though I have you know the utmost respect for the people who built it and they're some of the smartest people I know and some of them are very good friends of mine but the application of hospitals was not something to write about though the github acquisition has been fantastic and that's obviously been shown in the stock so uh, thank you so much igor this was a great show and i look forward to talking again thank you very much alex it was Have a great night pleasure to be here take care